the, the, the theme this morning we're going to just open up here today is the amazing gospel of grace. And I would like you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5 verse 15. And I'm going to get to that in just a minute. I'm going to read some other passages on this concept. But we're going to end up at Romans 5 verse 15. All right, and so um, let me just read a few passages in the scripture that talk about this amazing gospel of grace. That's the phrase that we find in um, Acts chapter uh, 20, verse 24. Let me just read that to you. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me uh, if I own... If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That's Paul writing now. Out of the book of, of the book of. Is he going downstairs? Can you go downstairs? Is is he going downstairs? No. Okay. So let me back up then to Ephesians chapter four. Um, and again, I'm going to read a couple of verses about the grace of God. Because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And that word saved in the Greek is sozo. It means to healed, delivered, saved, and made whole into the likeness of Christ. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in heavenly places, in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Jesus Christ. Again, here's what it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. All right, there's that, again, that enveloping concept that all of this is by grace. This is a very key word in the Bible, the word grace. The word in the Greek for grace is charis. Charis is the Greek word. It's where we get the word gifts. And it's the where we get the word thanksgiving. Okay, Paul says this, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Isn't that a great statement? By the grace of God, I am what I am. That's 1 Corinthians 15.10. And His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. What a statement. All right. And uh, here's another one. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I am, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. And that's in Galatians. It says in, in the book of Acts, chapter 14, 4, excuse me, Acts 4.32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Um, 
And no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. Much grace. Great grace was upon them all. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. However, I consider my life worth, uh, worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task. Oop, I already read that. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So therefore, let us ap approach the throne of grace with confidence. We approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. All right. Now I, I want to finalize uh, the reading of Scripture with Romans 5, verse 15. Now pay very close attention. This is the verse I've told you to, I've asked you to turn to. But it says, But the gift is not like the trespass. Now he's talking about the trespass of the first Adam and therefore all of our trespass. He says, but the gift of God, which that is the word charis, is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how, I'm in Romans chapter 5 verse 15. Okay, for if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Okay, so death and sin came through the first Adam, and we were in the first Adam, and therefore we were in sin. But the last Adam comes along and pays the penalty for that sin, and therefore opened up a door of grace, a door of access to God. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the... Okay, let me just back up on this word condemnation. The law was given by God through Moses, the Ten Commandments, and then many other rules were added to it. The law was given to expose our sin and to reveal our need for Jesus. And so the law is called the law of condemnation. It basically comes along and it's holy and pure and it says this is the standard by which we were created to live. And it puts a mirror up and says this is what you're supposed to live by. But the holy law of God has no ability to make us holy. Do we understand that? Imagine, if you will, a mirror put up in front of you. And this mirror says, I'm going to reveal just how ugly you are. Okay, sorry, but I'm going to reveal every blemish, every pimple, every blackhead, every hair, uh, every hair follicle that's infected, uh, every defect of your life. And it, the mirror puts up in front of you and says, this is what you're really like. That's what the law does. 
Now imagine if you're crazy enough to try to take that mirror and say, if I take that mirror and start smearing it on my face, it will eradicate my blemishes. It will, it will, it will make me pretty. Does the mirror have the power to do that? Absolutely not. It only reveals how bad things are. That's all it does. And it exposes your need for the power of another. Now that's a very important concept in Scripture. Because in the Old Testament, the, the law and the prophetic ministry was a ministry of, of, of exposure of sin and a ministry of condemnation. It condemned us. It says basically under the, under the influence of the law, you are a failure. And therefore you need to go slaughter animals, shed blood as a symbol of what you're deserving of. So the Old Testament lifted up the righteous standard of the law, but there was no power in the law to make us right. Everybody get that? Okay. But then it says, but along comes Jesus Christ. And he was the end of this era of, human, of the human race. He's called the last Adam. So the door of sin was opened by one Adam, Adam and Eve, and he closed the door. He answered the, the final, the final uh, judgment of all the Adamic sin fell on Jesus Christ on the cross. All the sin, all the, all the wrath of God, all the justice of God, came on Jesus Christ on the cross. Are we following that point? So that's called the finished work of the cross. You are not required to go and die for your own sin. All that came on one man, Jesus Christ. Alright, that's very important. So the sin, the judgment followed one sin. And that judgment brought condemnation and it ended up on Christ. But the gift followed by many trespasses brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Okay, so let me finish up with a sentence. How much more will those who receive... Everybody say the word receive. 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 How much more will people receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness? We're to receive two things according to this verse. We're to receive abundant grace and the gift of righteousness. Now we don't... Um, uh, the word receive is not the word achieve. Notice it's the word receive, and most of us replace the word with receive with achieve. I'm supposed to achieve or work or earn the righteousness of God. But the Bible says no. The, the work of righteousness has already been done. Before God, you are made righteous in Christ. No matter what your behavior says, you have been established as righteous according to God. If you receive, it's called the gift of righteousness and the abundant grace of God, 
you now can learn to reign in life. So why aren't people reigning in life? Now reigning in life means you come over the top of sin. You come over the top of depression. You come over the top of discouragement and frustration. You come over the top of demonic temptation and demonic you know, strategies in your life. The, the issue is you've been invited to reign in life as a son of God. How do you reign in life as a son of God? You are... The, way, the doorway into reigning in life is by receiving two things. The gift of righteousness and the abundant grace of God. Those two things. So the gift of righteousness is an awareness that you have been, right, been made right before God through Jesus Christ. Even when your life is suggesting otherwise. Now, this is really important. If your focus is on the law and on achieving righteousness in your own strength, you are going to come under the ministry of condemnation and despair, uh, and you aren't gonna you are gonna be under you're gonna be under demonic condemnation, shame, and guilt, not over it. How many of you understand what I just said? Okay, so most of us have not fully understood the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of grace is this. You cannot be righteous before God with your own keeping of the law, being good. You must receive God's verdict in your life that you have been made righteous through Jesus. So the enemy comes along and he's accuser. And what he loves to do is seduce you into a courtroom conversation and he likes to put the law up in front of you and say, look, bub, this is all the lists of things you need to do to be a Christian. And guess what? You're not this, you're not this, and you're not this. And all of a sudden, you start re becoming ashamed of yourself. And you pack on fig, fig leaves, so to speak, like the first Adam, and run into the woods and find yourself separated from God under the ministry of condemnation and guilt. And like, you're right, you caught me. I'm not loving, I'm not kind, I'm full of lust, I'm not nice, I'm this, I'm that. And so the enemy bombards you with a list of accusations to make sure that you feel condemned and ashamed. And, and, and to, in order to separate you from God. What does he use to do it? He uses the law. The very thing that God wanted to set up in front of you. So if you look at the law and listen to Satan and your own voices, you're in deep trouble. But if you look at Jesus Christ shed on the cross, and if you look at the righteousness of God in Christ then your answer to Satan is, no. I may have some behaviors that are not fully in line with God, but I am the righteousness of Christ. And the, the discussion is not any longer about me and my performance. The discussion is about Christ and what He did on the cross. It's no longer about me. It's about Christ. Now here's the paradox. The more you listen to that legal courtroom conversation, 
and make it about you, the more you're going to not reign in life. You're going to fall into despair and discouragement. The more you, you turn the conversation on to Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross, the more you say no. Apart from the evidence, apart from the accusation, I am the righteousness of Christ. Now the more you look at Christ and what He's done on the cross versus what you aren't, what you don't think you are, what Satan is saying, the paradox is this. You become like what you look at. And by receiving God's statement about you, there's a magical, mystical power that gets unleashed in your life and you suddenly become transformed. You're transforming into the likeness of Christ because you're not looking at you, you're looking at Him. You become what you look at and what you receive. This is a very important concept. Then, through Jesus Christ, you go before the throne of grace. Even in your weakness, even in your struggle, you go and say, God, I come before your throne of grace through the righteous work of Jesus shed on the cross. Through the blood of Christ, I come before you, Father. I don't have to hide. I don't have to... You know, in other words, I'm going to get your grace so that I can be holy. I'm not going to fix myself, clean myself up in order to come to God. I'm going to come to God and get good. I'm not going to get good before I go to God. That's the gospel. In other words, I'm going to come, I'm going to come and eat of the communion table. Why? Because there's grace in it. And I'm going to train on the communion table. You know, everybody thinks we got to clean ourselves up before we come to communion. That's not what the Bible ever teaches. And I'll speak on that later, but not today. But, but basically, we go to communion and get, and get the appropriation of God's grace. So you go before the throne of grace and you go, God, you decree and declare I'm a son, I'm a daughter of the Most High God. And all this grace, all these promises in Scripture are, are for me. And I can, I can now receive them. You don't have to beg for them. You don't have to scream out for them. You can receive them by grace because they come into your life and suddenly you start living a supernatural life and you begin to reign in life with Jesus Christ. Now, why is this so important? Uh, about a week ago, I'm praying to the Lord and the Lord comes and gives me a really powerful prophetic word. It, and it's over the rock tribe. It's over us. And here's what he said to me. He goes, The level of the wine of my Holy Spirit that I will pour into the rock tribe wineskin that he built. He goes, This, this heart-connected family of churches that he said, I built it. I built it. This family. He goes, the level of the wine of the Holy Spirit that I'm going to pour through this wine skin of connected hearts will be determined by the depth of understanding and application you have regarding the gospel of grace. That's what he told me. Now, most of us know that, you know, that have come into the Reformed movement, we're Protestants, we protested works righteousness in the Catholic Church, and we become in the Reformation movement back in the 16th century. Most of us agree with the doctrine of grace. We're saved by grace through faith. We know that we don't have to do penance, we don't, that we don't earn our way to God, that that's a ridiculous thought, that none of us can keep the rules, that all of us fall short of the glory of God, and therefore we need Jesus Christ. All of us know that basic doctrine. 
right? And we agree with it in theory. But in reality, every day, day to day, we slip into an Old Testament way of living. And we come under the ministry of condemnation. And the way you know that is by the degree of the intimacy that you experience with God as Father or the intimacy you experience with God's people. For example, you can ask yourself several questions. Like, here's some, in, some questions that I put kind of in my devotional. How can you know if you're living with mixture? And that's the thing that God was coming against. He was saying, in the rock tribe, there's mixture. There is real grace pouring. There's real affection. There's real love flowing through this family. But there's also a dangerous mixture of a religious spirit that's in our family. And he said, if I get people close together and suddenly one or two people start operating in the ministry of judgment or condemnation or confrontation or criticism or accusation, you've actually, you've actually destroyed people's hearts because they're wide open to one another, they're wide open to God, and then suddenly in comes law. In comes condemnation and judgment and offense and criticism. And it's even more dangerous because right in the middle of being open to one another and being connected to one another, suddenly legalism is inserted into the equation. And it's, it's enough lethal toxicity to kill us. It's a little poison that will actually destroy our family. And how do you know if you've got mixture? Well, um, here's some questions. Do I feel guilty and condemned when I sin? Have you ever felt guilty and condemned when you sin? Okay, that feeling of guilt and shame points to the fact that you're, not a, that you're not living under the revelation that you're already pure and right before God. Now, there can be conviction. Conviction is different than condemnation. Very different. So, how many of you have ever felt condemned and guilty and shamed? Shame. Okay, right there is a sign that you're operating in a religious spirit. How many have ever felt guilt and shame and then you found yourself avoiding God? You kind of like pulled away like, I, I feel so creepy, I've got to get my life together. Raise your hand. Okay, God avoidance is a, is a religious spirit. That means you're living under legalism. You're living under the Old Testament. Okay, that's not... In fact, when we get the revelation of grace, if we're struggling, we run toward God because we know we're already right before Him. All right, here's another one. Do I get frustrated and angry with myself and others when things aren't going right? Have you ever been frustrated and angry with yourself when things are going right? Never? Never, Sue? That's great. Glad to hear that. Wow, that's like common. That's like commonplace in us, right? How many of you have ever felt almost like repulsed or disgusted with yourself when you've done something? thought something, right? Well, if you can do it to yourself, then can you be repulsed and disgusted with someone else? It's like, oh, that's disgusting. You know what that suggests? That you secretly think 
that you were you given some kind of a standard and you achieved it for it, and so if you can do it, why can't they? I call that a Pharisee spirit. It's a Pharisee spirit. How many of you have been a little disgusted and irritated at someone else? <laughs> Alright, what is that? That basically means you think that that if you have been righteous, they should get righteous by their own efforts too. And and, and I've been I was able to pull it off. <sighs> so what's your problem, Bub? Okay, it basically means you think that you can live the Christian life without the grace of God in your own strength. This is what Christ is confronting in our, in our midst. Do you think God wants to pour out a bunch of Holy Spirit onto Pharisees? Onto the, uh, to the early, you know, to the younger son or the older son? Do you think God's going to entrust a high degree of anointing to people that are still operating in a spirit of religion? No. Not going to happen. So the Lord goes, Tim, you're on a, you are on a major assignment this year and from here to the end. And you are going to teach the gospel of grace to the people of God to the point that a revelation hits their spirit. And no longer are we walking around saying, I'm self-righteous. We must understand that whatever righteousness we get, it's due to the grace of God. We've been imparted and imputed that righteousness has been done and established in God. The way I appropriate that righteousness is I acknowledge I'm right before God apart from my works. Now, beloved, this is good preaching. But most of us have a mixture of oughts and shoulds. Like, okay, I know God loves me and God is grace. Now i got to go off and uh, pray harder, fast longer, give more, read my Bible more, and earn and become a good person. And that, that right there is the mixture that is deadly in our hearts. So when I heard that God is telling me, as a leader in the Rock Tribe, one of the leaders, you must go and confront this in your own life and in the lives of the people, and proportionate to the degree that this people understands and applies grace will be the degree to which I will pour out my wine because my wine is grace. I am grace. And you will live a supernatural life, period. It's going to be grace plus nothing. No hamburger helper. No additives. No cockiness. No, no self-righteousness. And, and then he made it really clear. It was so powerful. He goes, everything I've called you to be and called this tribe to be, every inch of it, every mo molecule of it is supernatural. Like there's not one thing that anyone can do to pull it off. Everything is supernatural. And that's why you need to pray night and day. Because the whole thing is a river of grace. He goes, I don't want you to be, God talking, a visitational people. Where I visit now and then. I want you to be a habitation of my presence flowing through you and the only way you're going to do that is if you live perpetually before the throne of grace as a way of life. Did that make sense? Okay, let me give you an example here. The Lord, the Lord came to us early on and said in the, early, the late 70s and early 80s, I'm going to change the understanding and expression of Christianity in this generation. And then the Lord began to unwrap what that meant. 
Now, the revelation in itself was grace because I would never have figured this out. I was not reading, I was not reading the Bible clearly. I was filtering out all kinds of passages in Scripture about sonship, about family, about heart connecting. So out of the blue, God takes a, a person that had been baptized in the Spirit, gifted in the Spirit, and a church planter, moving in apostolic ministry and signs and wonders, and He said, basically, you are missing a massive part of my gospel. You came in the side door of my kingdom through your, through your gifts and through leadership and through um, ministry. You didn't come through the front door of sonship. And the front door in the kingdom is sonship. So you don't even really have a revelation that you're a son of God. You haven't heard my spirit tell your spirit that you're a son. And I'm like, Whoa, I didn't even know that was... I mean, I'd read over that Romans 8 hundreds of times. But I didn't get revelation in it. Now, once you get revelation, that doesn't mean you get application. Revelation is the starting point. In other words, when I got the revelation, I had a supernatural experience where the Father told me who I was and my identity started galvanizing. That was a supernatural work of grace on my spirit. I had information about being born again. I didn't have revelation about being a son. In other words, the, the distance between information and revelation is the Grand Canyon. And God came and supernaturally lifted me from one side of the canyon to the other. I couldn't like flap my wings and get over there. So when God is trying to deal with a man, and he's going, I want you to hear from my spirit that you're a son of God. You can't just hear that information and think you're different. That has to be revelation, supernaturally, that transforms your very nature. It comes by revelation, not information, and that revelation is supernatural. Are you tracking with me? This whole thing is supernatural. And God says, I want to build a tribe of sons who are connected in their heart, and they know by revelation that their spirit man can open up soften up, open up, and connect covenantally with other hearts and exchange my life. That's revelation. That's not information. You can go to an average American male and teach information about sovereign joinings into a spiritual family and becoming a son in the house. And the guy goes, oh, that's great. That's great. And, then, and it's like, that's interesting. And absolutely does nothing to his inner man. Zero. Nothing. That information has not changed him. Whatsoever. Are you tracking with me? His heart is not exploded. It's not softened. It's not been opened. It's not connected with other people. He's self-protecting. He's scared poopless. He's not going to do that. So he's self-protecting. His heart is stony and hard. But he's got doctrinal information. He's, he's accumulated information. But he's not had the revelation that produces transformation. It's a miracle. In other words, it's a miracle. So if I go around and get irritated at somebody whose heart is closed off to me, that's a sign that I think that they can do something to make that happen in their life. They can't. The person has to go before the throne of grace and go, my heart is hard and it's closed. And the word of God is inviting me to have an open and connected heart. It's not there. I can't get bummed out at you. You can't get bummed out at you. You've got to go before the throne of God and say, Give me a, replace my heart of stone with a heart of flesh. 
So the role of preaching is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In other words, Jesus Christ is speaking to you even now. And He's saying there's grace available for you, but you're going to have to get this transformation through supernatural methodology. So the preaching opens up the potential. The preaching decrees and declares God's heart for you. I am talking about gospel preaching right now. The gospel of grace and I'm saying to you that what we've been invited into is 100% supernatural. And I've made the error of going around proclaiming tribe, proclaiming apostolic, bringing the kingdom on earth. You know, a God, sons of God connected in family. They're going to be in revival. They're going to be in transforming the church. And they're going to, you know, revival, restoration, transformation. Woohoo! Isn't it going to be great? And what I did not understand is that what I was communicating was so supernatural that everyone was going to have to come through the portal of an encounter with God. And no one gets to come through the side door in this house through the door of ministry or to the door of leadership. Whenever someone tried to negotiate their role in this place through and negotiate leadership, um, it, it ended up in a disaster. Because God is jealous over divine order in this house. God said, I'm going to raise up a tribe. It's going to move supernatural. That's why, you know, that's why we have to minister to the Lord night and day. All they're going to do is pull on the grace of God. Everybody's going to have to get an, a revelation of sonship, a revelation of family, and a sovereign sense that this is my family. You know, I'm in the family of God, big T. I'm in the tri tribe, middle T, which is all all the people that love the presence of God, stuff like that, with the tribe little T, I've been sovereignly set in. I'm going to open my heart and I'm going to build family. Because the only thing you can build in the kingdom is family. Now you can't get there because you hear, you, you know, you hear information, you read a website, or get a brochure. So what would happen is, I'd go around teaching on this, on this thing of sonship and family and the grace of God. And I would, I would assume that people made it through that knothole of the supernatural and into family when really they were negotiating a ministry or something like that. Now that's not, I'm not talking about anybody necessarily in this room. I'm just saying, in general, I, I would see people by the Spirit. I would see their callings. And I would def divert back to the old model of church and I'd say, well, heck, I, I don't want to control you. I want to free you to be who, you know, free you to walk in your gifts. Where before they had entered into sonship, before they had walked into the door and connected at their heart at their heart as family. And so they were they were operating in their ministries, but they hadn't had the foundation of, of family, of, of heart-connected sonship. Are you tracking with me? And I did not understand just how supernatural that was. Because I had to go out, I had to go back out of the house, out the side door I came in, and come around the door and through the front door of sonship. In other words, I couldn't see the church as, a, as, a, as an opportunity for ministry. I had to go out that door, or an opportunity for subsidizing my life. I had to go out that door and come around through the front door myself. God, God, God catapulted me out of a very comfortable ministry of church planting and leading large churches. 
I got jettisoned out of the system. Are you tracking with me? Confusing and painful. I thought I was being disqualified. The Lord goes, no, you're not being disqualified. You're being retooled in divine order. Because a person like myself, I, I immediately got promoted into leadership. I immediately had gifts. And I started going, I went to seminary and I went to training and, 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 and <clears throat> undergraduate school in order to immediately start getting equipped in how to be a leader. So the doorway was competency and ministry in the old paradigm. And God goes, I'm not, you, Tim, don't get to operate in the old paradigm of church life where you're validated by your gifts and your calling. You, Tim, have to leave all of that behind. Now, by the way, he's not, not, not that he would not reuse it again, but he'll, he'll put it back on me when I come through the front door of sonship. I don't know if I'm making sense to you guys, but it was the most brutal, brutal, confusing, painful experience of my life. Because I had to lay down all of my ministry. I had to lay down all of the support and financial support of ministry. I had to lay it all down and go back into the world, which God doesn't see it as sacred and secular. He sees it as the kingdom. I had to find that out too, that God loves the marketplace and that I'm his son and that I had to come through the doorway, the front door of sonship and then fathering and then build a family. But most of our people came, that were drawn into the Rock Tribe were drawn into the ministries of the Rock Tribe and they wanted to come and be blessed by us like every traditional church. Let me come and get blessed by you. Let me, get, be, let me appropriate your programs. Let me enjoy the things that you offer. Friendship, fellowship, family. Oh, that sounds great. But, no, but So they weren't building with us. They just wanted to be blessed by us. And I would say that up in Laramie, even now, and I'm not sure where we are here, about half the people that come to the Rock Laramie are there to be blessed. They haven't come to the front door of sonship and family. They're there to enjoy the children's ministry, enjoy the worship, enjoy the teaching, enjoy the small groups, enjoy the DNA. But honestly, they are not operating under the revelation that their sons, daughters in this house, have been connected at a heart level with family. The only thing you can do in the kingdom, the only thing you can build in the kingdom is family. They're not building with us they're being blessed by us. And we're going to have to go back and have wonderful conversations of invitation to them. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to go through this whole house again, doing that with everybody, including Janet, including Sue, including me, and including David, including Duff. I'm going to go, Duff, look, don't just relate to the church traditionally like it's a place to be blessed where you can get some friendship and get ministry. Oma, don't do that. that that'll work over there. If you're called to be a Baptist, go be a Baptist. And I'm not, that's not a put down. Okay, it's not a put down. There's a thousand ministries out there that God loves. He set them up and created them because they're meeting a certain need. They're leading somebody to Christ. They're opening the door. They're healing them. That is awesome. They're doing great things. So I'm not kind of saying they're not, those ministries of blessing are, are not good, but we're good. And I'm not saying other people aren't building. 
But God is changing the understanding and expression of Christianity in this generation. And I mean changing at a root fundamental level. It's change at the highest level that goes down to the heart of who you are. And so when you get a revelation of something, other things like the weather or your role isn't going to knock you out of the game. If you have a revelation of who your people are, you don't, you don't budge because it's a revelation. It's not, you, you didn't read a brochure or a website and go, gee, I'm going to go church hop and shop around and then pick one that I think, you know, meets my needs. I'm going to go find a blessing center and be blessed by them. And so in a way, the Lord has made it really hard to connect into the rock and to this little church plant. Partially because I'm all over the place trying to sow these core values and, and, and I've not been functioning shepherd in a shepherd-like way, which would be you would think would be the best way to do it. I think it's almost like the Lord's created an inbuilt offendability, offensiveness about us that makes this irritating, that, that makes this frustrating, that makes this painful because you got to come through the front door of a, a, as a son and build a family and you don't get to be a passive receiver of blessing. So our, our quote, blessing ministry and children's ministry and youth ministry and, and all the things, they're terrible. I mean, honestly, it's not that great from a church blessing, from a traditional plant, church planting perspective, what we're doing is not impressive. And you can't see it outwardly. You can only see it inwardly, starting with the in, inner spirit. I, oh my gosh, I hope you guys are tracking with me. This is very complicated business because it's so subjective. But I can tell when the spirit of revelation hits somebody and they open their spirit and, the, and, okay, let me just say one more thing about this grace, work of grace. The, the vertical encounter with God as Father must be exactly paralleled with, with meeting spiritual fathers and mothers and family because these two revelations are inseparably linked. You can't say, I love God and hate people. You got to say, oh my goodness, God loves me and I love God. And then that's going to bleed into horizontal relationships. In other words, the way I love God, the degree that which I love God is going to be exposed in the way I love people. Do we all get that point? So there has to be an exact one-to-one -one correspondence. Listen carefully. With how you relate to God as Father and how you relate to spiritual fathers in a family. There's a one-to-one -one correspondence. And, and it starts with you know God as Father. No question about that. No human being replaces the Father heart of God. We are never to be codependent and look too inappropriately to a human being to replace God. We only, we only relate to people as the vehicles of grace. So when somebody's heart opens, I mean by revelation, supernatural grace, they receive the ministry of righteousness. I'm right before God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm right to God. In God's eyes, I'm right. I'm pure. I'm holy before God. You know that. That's the gospel of grace. 
Not on what you did, on what, but what on Christ did. And then you go before the Father and you know, oh my gosh, the Father tells your spirit, you're a son of God, not because of works, but because of grace. And you receive it by faith, not by works. Then God says, and the, and the, and the journey isn't done. Not only do you see me as a father and now you have this intimacy with me, your heart is open to me and I'm pouring my love through you. This is supernatural, all of it. Now you open your heart to fathers and mothers and, and family and you get to do a one-to-one -one correspondence with vertical and horizontal at the same time. Now that, my friends, is a revolution that only a few people have broken through and into. Only a few people proportionate to the body of Christ have broken through to that. Because most of us are self-protecting, full of fear, nervous. What are people going to think? What is this family going to think? So really, a healthy family has to be devoid of this caliber, cannot have a religious spirit. Because, the, because no one will open up in fellowship in the light. If you think that the minute you open up, you're going to be judged and evaluated and condemned, then... Uh, game over, time out, not going to do it. But if you know that the skin of heaven is going to tell you, no, you're the righteousness of God. You're the righteousness of God. Well, but I did this and this and this. Right, but God, look at Jesus. He'll displace that sin. Don't keep focusing on your sin. Focus on Christ. And we're going to keep having the ministry now of righteousness. What does a prophet do in the New Testament? A prophet in the New Testament tells you you're right before God. And he tells you who you are in the Spirit. You're a son of the Most High God. A New Testament prophet has the ministry of reconciliation, not of condemnation. A New Testament prophet says, you are a child of God based on the blood of Jesus. You are the righteousness of Christ. Well, what do you mean? Aren't you supposed to tell me how I sucketh? No, that was an Old Testament prophet. A New Testament prophet says, Jesus Christ is inside of you and He's everything. Focus on Christ and you, will, and you are the righteousness of Christ. The more you look at the righteousness of Christ, the more you'll become like Him. That is the ministry of the New Testament prophet. We cannot have an Old Testament prophet in a New Testament house. This is a New Testament family, a New Testament house. If we let Old Testament prophecy into a New Testament house, it will destroy people. Because right in the middle of them being open and transparent and, and connecting, they get that toxic, you know, arson. You know, what is uh, arson? No, what is it called? Um, arsenic. Arsenic. We put arsenic. We lace their. We we lace the meat of the word with arsenic. And the next thing you know, the people start. Their hair starts falling out. They're not reigning in life because we, we had the ministry of disgust and frustration and irritation. Do you realize how dangerous this is? So the Lord goes, I can't let the rock tribe go any further until it gets the revelation of, of the righteousness of Christ in the cross and the grace of God that comes freely to them from my throne. Otherwise, that mixture will devastate people right in the middle of them being open because already hearts are opening. And if all of a sudden you get the message, something's wrong with you, you know, and you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not qualified to be in this family because you're not good enough. You can't take communion because we're not close enough or good enough. 
then the next thing you know, we've got we're we're going to be very arrogant and very religious and crop an, and have an elite spirit against the body of Christ. We must know that whatever we get in this place, place we got supernaturally. And I don't believe that all of us have gotten this revelation yet. And and I'm not mad about it. I'm not like, what's your problem? Why are you why aren't you further along? I don't feel that one bit because you know what? God doesn't feel that. And if I did feel that, which I have by the way, been a little frustrated in the past, if I did feel that way, it would expose a religious spirit. A performance, a performance orientation. Because there's not a thing you can do to change your own heart. Jessica, Carol, there's not a thing you can do, David and J Carol and Dan, to change your own heart. Now you can say, oh my gosh, the Lord's inviting me to have a new heart. The Lord's inviting me to be a daughter. The Lord is inviting me to be a daughter in this house. And I say yes to it and I receive it by faith. I may not have the emotions of it. But by faith I know I'm, I'm a daughter in this house. And by the way, we're all sons and daughters in the family Big F. We got that part. That's not that hard. Because, you know, I, it's not real life obnoxious people. Well, then I got to find out if I'm, a, if I'm a son in the tribe Middle T. Made up of, you know, IHOP and Bill Johnson and... Randy Clark and all these other leaders. Well, that's not so bad. That's great. Yeah, I love all those Heidi Baker and all these great people. All right, that's my family. See, Duff even knows Heidi Baker now. <laughs> See, he's, he knows she's, she's your sister in the Lord. You're in that tribe middle T. Okay, we get that. Now you got to zero it down. Now this is where the scary part gets. Who are my people now that I'm to walk out this gospel life, this gospel epic story with? Who are my people now? Because I've got to get into the, the jacuzzi with them and open my heart and play ball in the kingdom. And I've got to come through the front door of sonship and daughtership. And I, I can't be concealed. I can't be walled off. I can't be, you know, like self-protecting because that's a religious spirit. Self-protection is a religious spirit, Janet. I'm sorry. And you can't walk around covering up and self-protecting because you've been damaged and hurt in the past. Neither can I. I, can't, I have to get rid of, by the grace of God, negative expectations that you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna fit the mold of all the other people that couldn't make it through this portal, not whole. I'm not going to live like that. I'm going to walk around wide open with my spirit, wide open initiating affection and love, not judging, not condemning, loving, reaching out, and loving everyone that I'm in front of, whether they respond to the Rock Tribe or not, whether they respond to this invitation or not. And if it's not reciprocated, that's their issue, not mine. I can't manipulate it. I can't control it. If I try to manipulate and control, I'm actually violating the culture of heaven. You know, if I coerce and manipulate and control, then that's, that's spiritual abuse. Even if it's done with charm and persuasion and sales, that's a form of manipulation. So you've got to go straight up. Look, here's the deal. I'm a spiritual father. I'm a son first. And always will be a son. Out of the overflow of my heart, I'm a father. 
I'm going to father the people of God. I'm going to go around. I'm going to build a family of God by the grace of God and be a wise master builder. I invite you, Duff, to be a son in this house by revelation. And you can't do that on your own. That'd be like trying to jump the, the Grand Canyon. Go ahead, you know. I can't persuade you, sell you. You're either going to get a revelation that you have a heart, that God is real, that He is a spirit, that you're a spirit, your heart and your spirit are one, and you can open your spirit, connect it with your life, and exchange that life. You can connect it to mine. Or, or not. And I'll pray for that revelation. I'll pray for that breakthrough. But I can't make it happen. Only God can do that inside of you. So I believe that there has been an, a staggering visitation that I had, which is grace. God visited me and said, you must confront all, each and every form of religion, self-help, the idea that somebody can hear information and get there. None of that's going to work. None of it is going to work. As nice and as happy as I am that we have a website, as nice and as happy as I am that we've preached these things, I know that the preaching of the Word has power if it opens up people's hearts to the revelation, the encounter that it takes to break through. Now here's what happens. When a person breaks through into sonship and then connects into a real family, there is an acceleration of their spiritual development unlike anything I've ever seen. And by the way, it doesn't take a lot of quality time to pull that off. It takes the quality of connection to pull it off. Now, time does help. But in Josh Horrock's case, he got it by revelation within, within, honestly, relatively speaking, minutes. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Josh Horrock had a predisposition towards sonship and toward fathering just from his past. He meets me. We hang out just a little bit, hardly any. The Spirit of the Lord tells His Spirit, I'm a spiritual dad. That, God, that He's a Son of God, that, he has a spirit, that His Father in Heaven is His Father, and that you, Tim Johns, He says, Tim Johns is your spiritual father. Connect in with His family. And by faith, He received that word from God. And He flung open His heart and connected it to mine. And he symbolized it by taking off his coat, throwing it over to me, and saying, the, you know, and gave me his hat and said, you're my covering and you're my mantle and I'm a part of your family. I mean, right there. Gave me his best coat and his best hat. And I was, I was freaked out. I've never had anything happen like that in my life. The minute he did that, he flung, by revelation, God flung his heart open. Supernaturally. Connected our hearts supernaturally. We had literally hardly any time together. But he knew it in the spirit. Because it, a spirit connection takes a spirit revelation. Not a lot of uh, soul negotiation. Now there is a place for time. Of course, there is a place for quality time. But it, that, you can, we could do that from here to the end and it never happens. You tracking with me? It happened in the spirit. So when that happened in Josh, he will tell you, and I'm not trying to, you know, he'll, he'll tell it to you, but there, there, the, the, the mediation of grace, the, the divine exchange started taking place. And the anointing of the spirit that God put in me started flooding into him. 
And the next thing you know, he starts, it wasn't information, it was revelation. And there was a, an intercoursing transaction. I'm talking about spiritual intercourse in the best sense of that word, okay? I'm not, please don't go anywhere else with that. There was a transaction where there was an absorption of the nutrients of the spirit in his spirit. And he was having supernatural ground taking developmentally in his life. Because the, the way you grow fastest in the kingdom is as a son in a family experiencing the mediation of grace through your human spirit. That's how you grow the fastest. Not through blessing ministries, as good as they are. Blessing ministries are instruction-based ministries. You have many instructors, it says in the Bible, but few fathers. So by revelation, he got this, and the full nutrients of the kingdom, the substance of the kingdom, start flowing into his spirit man. And the affection of the Father starts hitting him. An increased level of identity starts hitting him. The access, to the illumination of the Word starts hitting him. The transforming of his character starts hitting him. The substance of, of weight, the weight of becoming a, an apostolic man starts hitting him. The power of God starts flowing through him. The mechanisms of connection start flowing through him. I've never seen anything like it. At bod rates, this guy starts changing. All because of the quality of his connection with God as Father and me as a spiritual father and into a spiritual family that was developmentally very young. In other words, if he would have looked all around us, he wouldn't have seen a huge track record of this because quite frankly, this is pretty brand new in the kingdom, unfortunately. What we're talking about. I mean, why would God say he needs to change something if it had been okay for a, long, you know, for a long time. It hasn't been okay. The church has been dysfunctional. It has been religious. And it has not had a full revelation of grace and the gift of righteousness. So, I saw that happening with Kim. Kim vetted me. She, she walked around, kicked the tires a little bit. And, uh, you know, which is legal and important to do. You don't, you don't just jump into something just because it sounds good and you, you, it's, it's emotional. And, and, and Duff has been doing that too. There's been a vetting of this family. But I tell you what, you can observe all you want. And yeah, you should look for fruit. And yeah, you should listen to, to strong doctrine. And yes, there should be objective truth that, you, that validates what you're... It should be good doctrinally. It should be solid biblically. It should have all the attributes, all the best core values, the best vision, the best culture, the best strategies, all that stuff. It should be, you, should, you should vet this thing at the highest level. Whatever you want to call it, vetting, courting, I don't care. But you, absolutely, a person should do that. There should be an objective, intellectual engagement with what's being said and presented. And all those people have fruit. And do they manage their life well? And how about their marriage? And what are their kids like? Absolutely. That all should be done. It, that may take years. But I'm telling you, in the end, at some point, though God has to speak. You have to have a prophetic encounter. Oop, that's it. Those are my people. Now that doesn't mean till death do us part, but it says like, in essence, you should feel it kind of like that. Those are my people. Now God can transfer you into another tribe, little t, under the big tribe, you know, middle t, all that stuff. You know, it's, but 
you build, then you jump in and build according to that pattern of family. And you will, you will pick up things differently. Like if you're in this room and you're still kind of vetting, then to you, to me, to me, to you I'm an instructor. I'm not a father. So I'm instructing, I'm not fathering. The minute you see me by revelation as a spiritual father, one of many, hopefully, then suddenly everything changes and the way you experience the word changes. Now dad is talking to you. You're not just getting a good message. You're experiencing the revelation of a father who is fighting for your heart and for your life. And he's not giving to get. There's no hooks in this thing. There's no manipulation. You know, in other words, it's pure love. It's pure truth. It's pure giving. It's pure life. But you're feeling father talking to you. Uh, you know, now you're... You know, yes, he's got a little beard, and yes, he's got he's balding, and yes, this and yes, that. But don't look at that. Feel a spirit being. Feel a spirit being. Forget the personality. It doesn't have anything to do with personality. It's kind of fun if the personality is pleasant, but it really doesn't, it's not really the issue. It's a spirit being is sitting here communicating to your spirit, your little boyness, your little girlness, trying to tell you who you are and trying to tell you that if you're going to do anything of significance in the kingdom, you link at a heart level with a family. Period. There is no other way to build a kingdom. The only thing you can build is family. And so we have gone on record going, we're not going to build any other way than this. You know what? We can't. And the person that has violated this concept the most in the Rock Tribe has been me. Because I am still, I, it took me 15 years or more to figure out that God really meant business when he spoke on the, this level. Because I've promoted people into ministries prematurely and before they got the sonship piece and the family piece. And it wrecked them. And it wrecked the family when we did that. And I am the guiltiest person to violate divine order in the rock tribe. Personally, by allowing somebody to slip into a leadership role premature before they've learned to open their heart to the Father and to the family and to us. And by the way, it doesn't just have to be me that's the spiritual father. Now up in Laramie, it's Bob Seebeck and it's, it's Josh and it's Amy. And she's fathering or mothering, however you want to put it, because God is a mother too, right? And so now, a lot of those people, in a way, I'm kind of a spiritual father-grandfather, and a lot of them don't know me as well as they know the other guys, but the nutrients are still flowing into their spirit if they relate on those terms, on that foundation. And then they accelerate. Now, I've learned that you can't really be a father in this house until you, you've, you've walked through the door, front door of sonship. So I believe that the reason why our MKFs are partially successful is because there's a little bit of opening, but there's not a full connection of the heart where there's an exchange of life. We're still more leaning toward a blessing ministry than we are a building one. That's my personal assessment of where we're at. Am I frustrated with that? Absolutely not. I, I'm so proud of everybody for even giving it a shot. And I'll close with this story. I'm on the phone with a woman that might help me write a book. 
And she has been rocked by all this. She's been watching videos and she's been listening and studying and it's been affecting her life. And she's all disoriented in her own life in church. And she goes, she goes, what do I do? And I said, what you need is the revelation of daughterness and find your family. And she goes, I know that's exactly what I need. But I don't have a clue how to do it. I don't know how to open our, my heart. I don't know how to connect at the heart. I don't know how to open my spirit. I don't, we don't have any governing gifts that would help us stay safe and not beat us up under pressure. We don't, I don't know how to do it. And I went, that is the cry of billions of people in the earth. The systemic problem is fatherlessness. That's why people are in prison. That's why, that's why China makes rules that you can only have one or two children and they kill women and girls. I'm telling you, the systemic problem of poverty, of every other thing, is fatherlessness and family, broken family, natural and spiritual. The systemic solution is fathers. That's why God's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children in the last days. They sired babies and didn't father them. The root issue in the earth, the one that the kingdom of God is going to answer, is going to be sonship, fathering, and family at a root heart level. But the spiritual family requires a spiritual revelation. No one can walk into this thing by taking an orientation class and signing a commitment card and going, oh yeah, I guess, I guess I've signed the paper. Heidi Baker and, and Cindy Jacobs and all these people, they said, we see by the Spirit that the Lord's calling you to build a covenant family and it, it, it they literally use that word, covenant, which means connecting of the heart and it will not be paperwork, says the Lord. In other words, you can't sign, you sign a contract. This is not a contractual culture where if you do this, then I'll do that. Most churches are based on you get a resume, you do a, you do a, you know, you make a contract, and if and if you don't fulfill the requirements that I want, if you don't bless me the way I signed up to be blessed, I'm out of here. No problem. And you know that's the culture that the pastors are operating under, and that the people are under it. That's not the heart of the Father, which is a covenantal culture. So we are called to go against. The, the culture, the prevailing contractual culture of our country, which is a religious culture, by the way. It's a performance-based culture. We are confronting every demon of hell, which is a religious spirit, including Satan, who's a counterfeit father. We are going against 1,600 years of church history. Do you not think that this thing is going to be brutal? No, I mean, honestly, my flesh does not want to do this. Why would I want to inconvenience my life, open my heart, and be transparent and vulnerable to a group of people I hardly know that I've connected by? Why would I do that at the end of my life? And, 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 and go through all that inconvenience. Because it's revelation. It's not information. And I had to come through the same door as everybody else has to come through. Sonship. I didn't get to come to the door of leader even. I had to come to the door of sonship. We just started this whole tribe with a few people talking about this kind of stuff. And again, when I saw people by the Spirit, I'd promote them prematurely. I was the one that made the greatest thing. So now I'm harnessed, made, great, made the greatest mistakes. 
I've harnessed my, my timing of things to, to, to mono way more than I ever have and to Janet because their sniffers are much better than mine. And they can detect if there's been a divine supernatural connection or not and that exchange of affection in life. And your growth as a person in the kingdom is going to be directly related to the degree by which you see the gospel of grace the gift of righteousness, the establishing that you're a daughter before God by grace, not by works, and that you find your family that can cultivate that experience in your life. When that happens, you watch. You won't believe the, 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 the acceleration in the Spirit. So can I just pray for you guys right now? And, um, and uh, Mono, if you have a follow-up comment... Um, then you feel free to make it. So, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask that even this preaching of the gospel of grace would go so deep that it would be like an infusion. Like when, when, we're, when we're given a new, a new blood transfusion. Would you give us a transfusion of the Spirit of God on our human spirit and where we're broken by the world and by the church, I ask that you begin to repair and give us the capacity to supernaturally walk as sons of God in a, in a family of God, advancing the kingdom of God on earth. Release encounter. Release revelation. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.